I found a psalm in the middle of the scriptures, Psalm 117, verses 1 and 2. And this psalm is kind of like the middle of a, of a sandwich of, of God's work from Genesis to Revelation. And so what I want to do is just move beginning in the middle and then go back to the beginning and walk all the way to the end. And uh, I think you'll see this theme arise of uh, the praise of God that is brought from every nation, tribe, and tongue. That was our theme as we moved through this week at BBS. And so that's where I'd like to go together today. If you would join me in prayer, we will uh, ask the Lord's blessing on our time in His Word. Father, we are here once again grateful We've been sustained by your grace. We are sustained even now by your grace. We thank you that you, you don't just save us and then leave us to ourselves, but you hold us and you walk with us and you equip us. You, you, you move us through everything that you bring to us. We thank you that you're sovereign and that you're good. We know that nothing comes our way by accident, but has uh, each has a, a divine purpose, and Lord, as we trust you and depend upon you, we pray that we would be more holy as we walk with you day by day. We thank you, Father, that we are knit together by you uh, with brothers and sisters from around the world, as we saw just recently, a couple weeks ago, in, in the Uganda report, with, with in incredible unity halfway around the world. We have brothers and sisters that know you and love you and that we share all things in common with. We pray, Lord, that we would have more of a glimpse of this and then as a result that we would see you even more glorious as we head out from here. Lead us on now in your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's hear the psalmist in his words begin here with a global call to praise, a global call to praise. Psalm 117, verse 1. Hallelujah, right? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who? Who's the call to? All nations. All nations. Extol him, that is, vibrant praise. Make much of him. Lift him up. Delight in him. Point him out. All peoples. All peoples. Now, what an amazing thing to hear from the heart of the psalmist. A man who was part of the Jewish culture, very much in a specific context, the chosen people of God, calling beyond just the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. All nations praise him. Now, anytime you hear a call to praise like this, you have to stop and ask, well, why? Why, why should we praise him? Why is it? That, is, that, that this man sees that we should praise him. We praise him because he's worthy of praise. He is worthy of praise. Now, why is he worthy? That's the next question we ask. Well, he's worthy for a million reasons. Let's see what the psalmist points out to us in this moment as he just explodes in joy in this very short psalm of praise. The reason he gives is for, we should do this because God is, is steadfast. His, his steadfast love is great toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Steadfast love. Now, the reason this man is overwhelmed by the steadfast love of God is because he understands that if it wasn't steadfast, it wouldn't set upon him. He, he sees something that amazes him. He is incredibly in awe that God would show his love to us in such a steadfast, firm, chesed, fixed way, loyal love. I think he understands it's not a question of our worth, is it? If, it, if this was a question of are we worthy of this kind of love, the answer is very easy. From Scripture, no. That's, that's the answer. It's blatant. From cover to cover, we are not worthy of this kind of love of God. So he doesn't choose to love us this way because of our worth. He chooses to love us this way because of his worth. That's what he sees. That's what the psalmist is saying. He is worthy. Look at how he loves us. He's steadfast in his love. It should blow us away to consider that God would set his covenant love upon us, the sinners, the rebels. Hmm. He is faithful. He is faithful. Oh, this is one of my favorite attributes of God. His faithfulness. Because he is faithful, we can look to him always in everything, in every way, in every situation. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. And he loves us. Wow. This is found in the middle of your Bible. And what I'd like to suggest is that there's a, a bigger story taking place that this psalmist finds himself in the middle of. I titled this Lord of the Nations. The Lord of the Nations. Acts 17, 26. Now, some of you VBS kids, you remember this verse, right, from this week. We covered this. This is how it reads. He, being the Lord... He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. He is the Lord of the nations. God made from one man. I remember asking the kids this week, who was that one man? They all answered, Adam. That was the man, right? Genesis chapter 1 and 2, Adam and Eve. All originated from one couple, the headship of Adam. What does that mean for us then? Well, it means we're all family. We're all family. We're all related. We trace back to the same parents all the way back. That has massive implications for the way we understand our world. We are all related. We are not the result of some random slime ball crawling out of some scummy water somewhere and deciding one day it would become an organism and then mutate over billions and billions of years randomly, right, into what we now call humanity. Oh, science has such a faith-based approach <laughs> to evolution. This creation takes way less faith to believe than that, really, really. He made from one man, every man, 
Listen to how it went. Genesis chapter 1. So God created man in his own image. That's the only thing in his creation that is ascribed the image of God to reflect him, to carry uh, uh, the reflection of his glory like the moon reflects the glory of the sun. That's what we have in the image of God. How did he create them, the first human beings? Well, he created them male and female, creations of God. Now, I also wanted the kids to be understanding this very clearly in a day where confusion abounds. God makes boys and girls. He makes them male and female. That is not our choice. We don't decide what we are. We are given the good, precious gift of masculinity and femininity. We are given the precious gift of maleness and femaleness and in that distinction, the glory of God is in all of that. It, it, is, it is on display. It is good. It is to be embraced. It is to be taught. It is not to be rejected. That is sinful. We celebrate the differences, the distinctions of God's good creation, male and female. And then he assigned them a task. Here is the task he, that they were given. Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now he goes on to build out other things as it relates to other creations, subdue it, rule over it. But I want you to especially today see this. Multiply and fill the earth. And I always like to add, with what? Well, with people who carry whose image? God's image. Fill the earth with a billion points of light that point back to me. Reflect my image and fill the earth with my image. That is the kingdom assignment given to Adam and Eve. It's a good assignment. Sadly, as we know, Genesis 3, I mean, it doesn't even take more than one chapter. It goes south in a hurry. Adam and Eve, they disobey purposely. They, they, they are rebelling against God's good command, and they receive the curse of God. Spiritual death instantly, physical death comes. Their children are born, Cain and Abel. How did that work out? They were natural-born sinners. The first two natural-born sinners the world had ever known. Cain killed Abel out of jealousy over his sacrifice to God that was acceptable when Cain's was shooting from the hip, unacceptable. Abel's blood cries out for judgment. Humanity is under a curse. Things got so bad that the world looked upon his, his creation and the sinfulness of man, and he said, I'm going to destroy it with a flood. And so the Lord caused the flood to drown billions of sinners in judgment, rightfully, because they had stored up wrath because of their rebellion and sin. He spared eight only by his grace, right? Noah and his family, they were sinners too. He spared them by placing them on the ark that they obeyed and built, and he delivered them from the flood of his judgment. The problem is, is when they came off the ark, eight sinners walked off the ark, 
Now the birth of the nations. This was kind of the focal point of our VBS journey, the birth of the nations. It's the, uh, the account of the Tower of Babel. And sin reigned even after the flood. It got bad once again. Let's read just a little about how this goes down. In Genesis 11, here's the account. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from east, from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and, and burn them thoroughly. And they, they had brick for stone and, and vitamin for mortar. And they said, now here's the piece we've got to really dial in on. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now what do we see this flying directly in the face of? Why is this such a big deal? Whose name are sinners to reflect and carry in the image of God? God's name, not my name. We're not to build a city and a tower that glorifies me. Where are we supposed to do what we are called to do by God? Not in one location with a city and a tower. Now, some speculate the reason they built up is because they wanted to escape if the Lord ever flooded the earth again. And they thought, well, if we devise this correctly, God can do whatever he wants and we'll just be up in the heavens. We, we don't have to worry about the flood. This was a purposeful, disobedient act of rebellion. We don't want to be dispersed like he told Adam and Eve to spread his glory around the whole earth. We're going to stay together. And we're going to take him on. Well, this might have been something of what they would have constructed, something like this, kind of a, uh, a brick structure. The city and the tower were uh, intended to be up, raised up high together. That's actually pretty impressive when you think about it, the angles and the different things there. Was God impressed? Hmm. No, he wasn't. God delights in humble obedience to his will. This was purposeful and willful rebellion against him. And so, in verse 7, we read, the Lord says, come let us go down. Now, just got to pause here. This is Trinitarian okay? People who think that you only see the Father, Son, and the Spirit in the New Testament, it is, it is everywhere. He, they are everywhere in the Old Testament, in Genesis, all over the place. Come, let us. The Lord is speaking of, of himself, us, in, 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 in the communion of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Come, let us go down, and I love these words, go down. So the kids were out here, and we had the little tower of of Babel here, and I pretended to be God, and I'm like, hey, look down there. We got to get a little closer. I can't quite see that tower. Oh, well, look at that. Isn't that cute? It's a little tower, right? God has to come way down from his exalted lordship over all to see their tower. He went down, they went down, and confused the language of the people so that they did not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. And we had a lot of fun 
uh, kind of reenacting this moment when the Lord created all of these different languages. Peyton was my helper when I started speaking in gibberish. Now, what's interesting about this moment is the Lord confused their languages, but it wasn't as if you couldn't understand anyone. You began to, to listen for the people that made sense to you. And you were drawn to this group. There, was, there were groups formed. You could understand only this group. And the rest of these people, I didn't have a clue what they're talking about. And, but, but, but they understood a different group. And so these groups were formed, and as they were formed, they decided, you know what, we got to separate from all these crazy other people. We're going to go over here. And the Lord dispersed them as he intended. So it's a fascinating thing. Whenever God does one thing, he's doing a million things. God comes in divine discipline to the Tower of Babel and confuses their language in judgment. And at the very same time, he is giving birth to the cultures of the world, the nations that will come from this dispersion are born in that moment. It is a divine discipline and at the very same time a gloriously purposed, designed diversity. And those people groups spread out over all of the face of the earth and cultures are created. Language is the, is the baseline of a culture, right? If you don't have a common language, you can very... Uh, you could struggle, but you will never really have a common culture, a cultural knit together. And so all these cultures formed, and the various shades of, of skin developed as God blessed and, and grew these things. We, we talked about how there is not red, yellow, black, and white. There are shades of brown. We're all brown, friends. We are. There are shades of brown to the glory of God. We're all one family. We also share a common problem. It is not a small problem. It is a problem that reigned from the moment of Genesis 3 when that rebellion was launched. Sin is our problem. For all have sinned. That is, in every place, in every culture, in every language, every people group, we are all, my friends, natural-born sinners. That is in us. It is, it is what we do because it is who we are. It, it flows out of us. We are rebels at heart, sinners. And we fall short of the glory of God. We do not image Him. We do not reflect Him as we were created and designed by Him to do. And so we have a huge problem because the wrath of God is set upon us rightly and justly for our rebellion and sin against Him. Now, the good news, the hope of the nations, the hope of the nations. In order for the good news to be glorious, we've got to understand the seriousness of our situation before God. The hope of the nations begins really with the desperate need of the nations. Paul in Romans chapter 3 says it this way, for we've already charged that, that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. None is righteous. No, not one. No, no one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together, and they have become worthless. And then he culminates this, this passage by saying, 
No one does good, not even one. Well, that's hard for us to hear, isn't it? Even like this morning, it's hard for us to hear because in me, there's this instinct like, well, wait a second, hold on, wait. You mean no one does good? Define good. How do we define this, this, this good that we throw around often? Good according to who? Good according to us? Well, sure, there's various forms of good and, and kindness and being nice and those kinds of things. But for what end? And to what motive? And to whose glory? Right? The, the reality is, my friends, the standard of good for God is perfect, sinless, he who keeps the law yet stumbles at one point is guilty of it all. There is no one good. No one in this room. Certainly not this guy right here. For the wages of sin is death. That is the serious condition that we find ourselves in. But the good news meets us right there. We, we see our desperate need and then we have hope because this is what God has done. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We sang that all week long. All week long. For God so loved who? The world. The world, not just people like us in the United States. People in the farthest, most remote village, in the highest altitude place that no one has ever even discovered. God so loved those folks as well that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, look at the whoever. <clears throat> it's, it's a qualified statement, isn't it? But it's not qualified the way some would think of it. Whoever looks like me. Whoever votes like me. Uh-oh, look out. Whoever likes the things I like, whoever has the experiences that I have, right? That's not what's in that verse. Here is the qualifier. Whoever believes in Christ. That's a very specific requirement of the good news of the gospel. It's not just we're all good. It's the only hope I have in this life and the next is Jesus. I'm trusting in him alone to be my salvation. His work paid for my sins. I ask the kids, what does it mean to perish? What does it mean to perish? It's important for kids to understand that these days we're, we're so PC. We're going to remember it's important to remember this. It perish. Yes, they said, well, it means to die. Absolutely. And what? And go to hell. Hell is a real place. It's a horrible place. It's a place where the active wrath of God is poured out forever. It's not just the place that God is not. It's the place that God is in all the ways you would dread him to be present. That is hell. It's horrific. Jesus had a lot to say about the fires of hell. He spoke more about hell than anybody. And so we do a favor to folks not to pull back from the reality of an eternal place that sinners will go 
unless they place their faith in Jesus Christ alone. If you believe in Christ, you will not perish, but you instead will have eternal life. You'll be with Christ face to face in all of the most blessed and glorious and satisfying ways forever, forever. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter writes, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you who believe in Christ, right? All of this is in Christ, in Christ. This is the good news, friends. This is the good news, not just for every single person in this place today. It is good news for every single person on the face of this earth today. Now, the future of the nations. This is where we'll close our journey this morning in the book of Revelation. This is a certain future for all who believe. Listen to the song that is sung. They, the saints, those who've trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, they sang a new song. What did they sing? What will we someday sing, we who believe? Worthy are you, Jesus Christ, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed who? People. Sinners. For God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Now, I'll tell you the reason why this is so sure. This is not just wishful thinking. This is an actual glimpse of actual sinners saved by grace singing these actual words to Christ. And... It is the fulfillment of the promised plan of God that he purposed in the book of Genesis. Wow. Every nation, tribe, people, tongue, language. This is why we have mission work. This is why we work so hard to translate scriptures into the languages, all of the dialects. We want the people who are around the world to join us in this joy, the joy of Jesus. The only hope. It's an amazing thing to consider. God will bring some from every nation, language, people, and tribe. He will do it. He has purposed to do it, and he will do it. It will happen. He is not up in heaven saying, boy, this was my plan, but oh, I just don't know if it's going to work out. It's just taking so long. What are we going to do? What if it doesn't happen? How are they going to sing this? No. God is sovereign in salvation. He is working, even today, bringing some from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Hmm. One redeemed people. Here's just a few thoughts of what this means for us. Number one, for a Christian, there is no racism. Period. I mean, what, what 
insanity would racism bring to this gorgeous story of unity and, and, and hope for the nations? There's no racism. It's not possible. There is a longing for every single breathing human being, young or old, rich or poor, free or enslaved, persecuted or unpersecuted, aware or unaware of their need. What do we long for? Come. Come. Come to Jesus. Come join the nation of the redeemed. That is our nation. So far before we're Americans, we are Christians. We are Christians. We have to remind ourselves of this. The church that we will celebrate with face-to-face -face with Christ forever will look a whole lot different than this church body this morning. It's going to sound glorious. All of the tribes, all of the tongues reflected in the praise of God. Oneness in distinction. That's His glory. That's His glory. Not sameness. He purposed to bring one people from all these distinctions. And it's going to happen. And it's a glorious thing that He's doing. And so we come back to where we began. And I pray that this is your longing, your joy, your delight today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol Him, all peoples, for great is His steadfast love towards us, the sinners. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, there are so many reasons to praise You. You are worthy you are worthy, you are worthy. We give praise to you this morning for your steadfast love as I think about all the different ways you show your love. It's an amazing thing to consider. Even just celebrating 25 years of Good Shepherd Community Church here today, Lord, that is your, your love, steadfast, fixed, firm, sustaining. You are faithful. Here we are 25 years after you formed this church. Your word is going forth. Your people are delighting in your son. And we have a heartbeat for 25 more years because the nations need to know about your steadfast love, your faithfulness to us in Christ Jesus. Father, we celebrate our great future. We love the diversity of your family that you bring together through Jesus Christ. Lord, use us to that end. May we never be caught with racist thoughts. May we never be looking at folks in any less of a way. We share a common ancestor. We share a common Savior. Oh, Lord, may we hold out to all the glory of Jesus Christ and the hope of salvation that we know so well. Father, I pray that if there are any here today that don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, I pray that even now you would stir in their hearts, help them to understand their desperate need for salvation, how serious their sin is against you, 
Help them to turn to you and begin trusting in your Savior as their, uh, their hope alone in this life and the next. I pray even as these baptisms come that their testimonies would, would land your, your Spirit's work in our hearts. Bring life, I pray, Lord, and confirm the joy of our salvation. In Jesus Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we want to celebrate the waters of baptism. It's something that has been commanded by, by Jesus himself. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And then he said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all I've commanded you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we celebrate this, this baptism here this morning. No one here is coming to this water to be saved by this act of baptism. They are coming to tell the world that they have been saved by Jesus Christ. This is a visible word, friends. It's a visible word of the life, death, burial under the water, identifying with Jesus. He died for me, they will be saying, and he rose to be my living hope. And in him, I am secure. I am held. That's what this baptism symbolizes for us. And we celebrate today with those who are, are coming. Bob, you ready? Okay, come on out, brother. Let me help you in. It's nice and warm. Just don't slip right there. So far, no one's gone down in this tank. I'm thankful for that. Okay. Let me grab a microphone. This is Bob Flick. He's been at the church for, uh, what, a couple years now? Yeah, two, three years. Okay. And he's got some things that he wants to read for you today. Let me just hold the microphone and you just go ahead and read. All right, I just want to give a brief testimony. <clears throat> okay. I was born, baptized, and raised in the Catholic Church. We were weekend and holiday Catholics. We weren't very serious about the Catholic dogma. We gave up something for Lent, ate fish on Fridays, went to confession, and went to church on Sundays. We learned the Bible stories, so I was f familiar with who Jesus was, but I felt that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ was not encouraged. I was originally saved in the eighth grade when I went to a Christian Bible camp. I didn't have a strong scriptural background and didn't really start studying the Bible until I was an adult. I always knew that I needed to be saved, but I, it wasn't until recently that I knew that the worst thing would be being separated for eternity from Jesus Christ. I considered myself a Christian from then on, but drifted away during college and for several years beyond that. Looking back, I see that God was always with me. I didn't have a strong foundation, but came back, back to Jesus as an adult. I know that Jesus came to take my place on the cross. He sacrificed himself so that I may live. I know that I am a sinner saved by grace. I do not deserve this gift, but I accept and am thankful. Mm. It has taken me a long time to accept God's salvation. I always thought that I had to make myself better before God would love me. Mm. I always created a barrier between Jesus and me because I felt that I wasn't good enough. My goal now is to break down my walls and get to know Jesus 
Jesus more. Mm. I'm finally at peace knowing that Jesus has already done everything for me. Mm. I was baptized as a baby in the Catholic Church. I always assumed that was sufficient. Now I know that I want to be baptized as a believer, making a conscious choice to follow Jesus Christ. Mm. My mother was there when I was first baptized, and I am blessed that she is here today. Thank you for your faith and for constantly praying for your children. Mm. We will always be there for each other. Mm. I wanted to read from the letter from Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 4. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Praise God for his good work. You're going to make me cry, brother. I tell you, what a well-spoken testimony, Bob. And uh, it's been a joy to get to know you, man. I, I still remember when the Lord brought you guys. Dolores, so proud of the way the Lord has been working in both of you. So proud of your step here today. That's a big step. And I uh, just want to ask a question here, Bob. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and treasure? Is he your hope alone in this life and the next? Okay. Because of your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in his death for you and raised to new life in him. All right. We got you. All right. Oh, praise the Lord for his work. I tell you, it's a special thing to see how God does this. You know, we we gather here week by week, and even this morning, in, in thousands of different ways, God has been working, landing his word, encouraging, strengthening, emboldening, saving as we saw this past week. Praise God for his good work. Okay, Eva, are you ready? All right. Come on up. Yeah, go for the pictures, Mom. Okay. How's the water? Nice and warm, yeah. This is Eva, and she's got some words that she wants to share as well. So I'll let you tell the story, and I'll hold the microphone for you, okay? When I was six years old, I came to VBS at this very church for the first time. I heard Pastor Jeremy talk about how we can have eternal life. I knew heaven was where I wanted to go someday. I understood I was a sinner. That's when I prayed with my leader and accepted Christ into my heart. I want to be baptized because I have been walking with God for a while, and I want to show that I have become good. My favorite Bible verse is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Wow. So that VBS that you came to was how long ago, Eva? It's about six years ago? Seven. Seven years ago. Okay. Well, that's so exciting. We're so proud of your 
trusting in Christ and following him over these years, growing in your walk with the Lord. You know, it's a special thing to, to make that choice, to come and be baptized. It's scary. You people are scary out there, right? <laughs> you gotta, you got to have some courage. And uh, Eva, I'm so proud of you for taking the stand and obeying Christ in this command. So you ready? Should we do this? Okay. Eva, I just want to ask you one more question. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and treasure? Is he your hope alone in this life and the next? Yes, I have. Okay. Based upon your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in his death and raised to new life in him. All right. Good job. few things that warm a pastor's heart more than baptisms I tell you what a special thing David are you back there all right let's do this man this is David Smith man you are tall dude (laughs) for real okay David I've got your story written here let me uh let me read it David and Michelle um, have decided to come back to Good Shepherd Community Church. Michelle grew up here uh, as a Wisland and uh, then married David a number of years ago. They've got an incredible family, and uh, David has expressed his desire to be baptized as a believer and, uh, and join with this church in that way and, and testify. So let me read what you wrote here. David says, Before I came to salvation, I found myself feeling lost and alone. Through the teaching of my family and the church, I learned about Jesus Christ and his teachings from his word. And by his grace, he led me to repentance and salvation. Since I have been saved, I've had a desire to live for Christ and to help others and defend the innocent. I want to continue learning and growing more in my faith in Christ. And then he put his, his uh, uh, gospel verse here, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. What a story, David. It's been a joy getting to know you as well, brother. I tell you, I'm I'm so grateful for the work of God in your life and your family, and uh, excited that he's led you here to make this church your home. Um, They're in the membership process right now as well, so... Um, We're celebrating with you, brother. David, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and treasure? Is he your hope alone in this life and the next? Yes. Okay. Based upon your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in his death and raised to new life in him. All right, man. Well done. Okay. Awesome. Well, we had VBS here this week, and uh, on Thursday, I shared the gospel with the kids and presented the hope of Christ and uh, asked if any of the kids wanted to begin trusting Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord that day. 
And uh, with all the heads bowed, I asked them to raise their hands. And a handful of kids raised their hands. And one of those to raise their hand was Abby Rollins. And so come on out, Abby and Glenn. You are amazing. I'm so proud of you for being so brave. Glenn, come on around here, brother, so we can see you here. This is Abby, and she became a Christian on Thursday of last week. Yes. And I got a message Thursday evening that she was interested in this baptism service today and had a chance to sit down on Friday and talk with her, and she shared from her heart about who Jesus is for her. And so, a proud papa here, Glenn and, and Tamara. Tamara, are you in here? Okay, right there in the front row. Good, okay, good. So, Glenn, do you want to share what she's put together here? Absolutely, absolutely. So I asked Abby if she'd, uh, if she'd like to read this, and, and she said no. Um, <laughs> shy, but um, she'll be part of this. Um, so we asked her a few questions, and, and this is really her response after uh, uh, writing some things down. Um, this is the reason I want to be baptized, she says. On Thursday, I raised my hand when Pastor Jeremy asked if anyone wanted Jesus to be their Savior. Through this week at BBS, I realized that it was true that Jesus died and rose again for my sins. He loves me and the world, and now I want to obey Jesus and be baptized to show that I am a Christian. I love Jesus. And the verse that she, that she used, that she quoted, that she's making her promise based on, is the one that's been stated here this morning several times as part of the sermon. Several people have used it in John 3, 16. And I, I'm asking you all to say it with her as she says it. Okay, can you do that? Ready? But have amen, amen. Wow, that's great. I can take this. Glenn, if you want to come around on this side, it's always a joy to be able to have fathers who love Jesus uh, participate in baptizing their kids. So are you ready for this, Abby? Okay, why don't you just turn here and have a seat. Mom, you can come up here if you need to so you can still see. Okay. Abby, I just want to ask you a question. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord, Savior, and treasure? Is he your hope alone in this life and the next? Okay. Based upon your profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in his death, raised to new life in him. All right. Yes. Good job. Worship team, if you would come now, and it feels like we should sing. I do want to just say, I I forgot to say at the beginning of of the service, in uh, 1994, uh, Good Shepherd was formed, and uh, there were two churches. Bethany Baptist had a a small congregation and a building here, and then Centerpoint Church had a congregation with no building, and they began to talk and pray, and God brought a merger about where two congregations came together under one roof and formed, in 94, Good Shepherd Community Church. 
25 years ago. And so we're celebrating God's glorious grace over these last 25 years, and we're anticipating the work continuing until all have heard. And so we've got some cake that we want to share with you afterwards. Stay and celebrate with us. And I would say as well, congratulate these who were baptized. We're going to send them back toward the cake area so you can cheer them on in their walk with Jesus. All right? Why don't we stand up and sing?